everyone, welcome to Solace. My name is Iona and this is my podcast where we are bringing light to social justice issues. I have an amazing episode today and we're back with a bang because we've been off for a couple of months, um, but I'm back with a bang with an amazing episode. I have these two amazing girls called Catherine and Jess and we're here today to talk about their business candles for consent. And we're gonna be talking about um, sex consent and education surrounding that. So hi guys, um, would you be able to tell me three fun facts about yourselves? Hello, yes, of course. So this is Catherine here and I will go first. Um, so my fun facts are, first of all, I grew up in Sligo. So I learned Irish from my started school until I moved up north when I was 16. But now at 26, the only thing I can remember how to say is how to ask to go to the toilet, which is kind of sad. Um, and then my second fun fact is I spent a summer living in Bali. And the only part of Balinese I can remember is tadak padas, which means no spice, as I had to remember to say this for every meal as I can't deal with spicy food. And then my third fun fact is that my guilty pleasure is working out to old school One Direction songs, which I would definitely recommend if you've never tried. Oh my word, no, that's the same as me. I love One Direction. So I cannot eat spicy foods. Like, you know, even like the sweet chili crisps from like the Walkers ones, I can't even eat them. It's so bad. I'm the exact same. Well, if you ever go to Bali. There's other people out there who are just like, not spicy people at all. Um, yeah, so I'm Jess. Hello. Um, so my fun facts are um, I'd always wanted to go skydiving. So one time I went in New Zealand and it was absolutely amazing. Um, I work in events and the reason why I do this is because I'm not sure if any of you have seen The Wedding Planner with Jada in it, but I watched it when I was about 10 years old and I just wanted to be as bougie and badass as she was. <laughs> I can't say it's quite transpired to that level, but you know, it's pretty good. And <laughs> my final one is Shrek is my favorite movie I've probably watched Shrek about 500 times I just think any bad day you're having a bit of Shrek just you know puts you right in a good mood oh the Shrek soundtrack I know it's so good isn't it I listen to it all the time people act like it's a kid's film it's not it's forever oh it's so deep yeah it is it has an underlying meaning you just have to you just have to look into it (laughs) um so the name of the podcast is solace and that means light in irish um so this is a question i always ask but what is something that has brought light into your life during the pandemic yeah so um first of all absolutely adore the name of this podcast i think it's just a brilliant name um and for me something that brought light to me was sea swimming So before um, lockdown, I would never in a million years have gotten to sea without a wetsuit. I would have thought you were crazy. And fast forward to all of the anxiety and unrest that came with lockdown. And oh my goodness, sea swimming was just the most incredible thing for me. So yeah, it just completely resets me. I'm obsessed. I don't live anywhere near the sea. It takes me a good like 40, 50 minutes to get to Helens Bay, but I still try and go as much as I can and would recommend it to anyone. Oh my word, I went sea swimming as well over the summer and it's just like if you've never done it, I think you just have to like go for it. It's like, it's not scary, but it's like you don't want the the coldness of it. But then once you're in, it's the most amazing feeling. So I definitely recommend that. Um, 
Um, yeah, so for me, it was probably so before the pandemic, I lived in England and had done for quite a while. Um, so when I came back, I moved in with my family for a little while. And at the beginning, it was an absolute nightmare. And I don't know how I ever lived with them before. But actually, after a bit of time, we actually got on so well. And because I'd lived away, I was actually just so grateful to like, have time that like I never would have had before to just like spend with my brother and sister and my mom and dad and yeah for me that was probably like one of the best things about the pandemic. No 100% like you're sort of forced to almost get closer and like at the start I think people were like oh how am I supposed to survive for this long and like such close quarters but then by the end of it and like still now it's I'm so grateful for that time that I got to spend with my family and like the things that we got to do because that's time that we probably would never have got without the pandemic so definitely being thankful for that and just not taking it for granted anymore which is an amazing thing that came out of the pandemic. But um, into today's topic, which is your business, Candles for Consent, and talking about um, sex consent education, would you be able to tell us what Candles for Consent is and sort of what, how it all came to be? Yeah, so in short, Candles for Consent is a social enterprise uh, where we make soy wax, vegan candles, and all the profits from it fund consent education here in Northern Ireland. Yeah, so... The journey into it is, in short, it's quite like concise, but as we're doing a podcast, I'm going to give the really long version, um, which, yeah, we've just, it's been such a blessing in both of our lives, but it definitely for us started when we were in school. Obviously, at the time, we didn't realise but Jess and myself both went to the same school where we received really, really subpar sex education with no mention of consent. Um, and then we both went to university in England. So I went to Liverpool and Jess went to High Wycombe. And um, that was really the first time we realised the big gap in our knowledge as young people coming from Northern Ireland compared to our peers from not only the other wider world but the rest of the UK Wales Scotland and England seem to have so much more comprehensive sex education than we did so that was the little seed planted and then we kind of went our separate journeys I worked um in Belfast after university with young people experiencing homelessness and this was just a recurring theme that came up all the time was this lack of understanding about consent really really basics just not being taught in schools, therefore not understood for our young people that was having really dire effects. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where it started mulling over for me. And Jess took a route after uni where she was working in events and festivals. Yeah, so um, I worked in events and festivals the whole time I was at university. And after um, I left uni, went on to work at festivals across like the UK, Ireland and like the rest of Europe. And, you know, consent is a massive issue. And the amount of sexual assaults that we would have at festivals was just it's skyrocketing and it's getting worse. And for me, this was something that I noticed in particular. There was a festival I was working at in Sweden. And um, when we arrived, all the fem- all everyone that, you know, was visibly fem- identified as female was given wristband that said please do not attack me on it in English and in Swedish and you know this for me was like like what is going on in what world is a little paper wristband going to stop someone from attacking you and it was just a really sad 
atmosphere around the festival and the festival was actually went on to be cancelled um for future years because of so many assaults so for me it was something that you know I was trying to be out there doing something that I like love to do but this was a topic that just kept getting worse and worse and worse so for me that was where it came from you know something needs done about this yeah massively so then both myself and Jessica in 2017 were founding board members of Antrim-based charity Lightwork NI, which we're going to talk a wee bit more about that later. But part of our role as board members is that we oversee kind of the overall delivery of their mental health programs and strategic planning. So part of our role would be reading evaluations from workshops so they deliver mental health workshops to young people across Northern Ireland and the overarching theme and feedback we were getting from facilitators was that young people were crying out for information on sex and consent and these were coming up in at times inappropriate settings because kids had no one to ask these questions to they were continuously coming up in the mental health workshops and I suppose for us it was like a eureka moment of do you know what in my work, in Jessica's work, when we were at school, when we were at university, nobody is giving our young people this information and they are desperately crying out for it. So we said about, um, the other thing is within, they do um, a 10 week mental health like program in schools. And one of the weeks, one of the sessions is on relationships. And all of the evaluations from the young people was going, we want more of this education. This is our favorite week. This is so good, but it's something that's, notoriously difficult to get funding for like mental health is a great hot topic but consent education right now wasn't so much so for us we had just entered lockdown and we were living together and burning through candles like there was no tomorrow bored out of our heads because everything was closed so we were like how hard is this we'll start making some candles so very, very hard, by the way, anyone who wants to start it, but also incredibly relaxing and enjoyable. And in no time at all, friends and family were saying to us, can we get candles? I want to give this as a gift. Would you sell them? So it was really one of those moments where I feel like we were very much guided towards this path because then it was like, we need to get funding for consent education. We want to start a candle business. And then spoke with the rest of the team at Lightwork and it was very much born. It is just shy of a year since we came up with the name and everything. And we're now trading, we're selling, we've got our website up and running. So it's been in the works, I would say, our whole lives. I feel very much like this is what we're destined to do, but it has only actually been a year even we only actually launched when I say a year so much that was planned we only actually launched the candles in July so yeah it's been a long time coming but just starting really yeah and actually like um for ages the one thing we couldn't agree not we couldn't agree on but we couldn't find a name and for so long we were just like what are we going to call it what are we going to call it and then basically candles for consent the name was born because we lived together and one night I came down and Catherine was just dying laughing to herself in the kitchen and she was like I've got the name I've got the name she was like candles wait for it for and couldn't even say she was like consent but spelt like the scent of a candle and you know after much laughing we were like mm, no that is a good name and that's how the official name was born <laughs> <laughs> oh my word no thank you so much for sharing that with us and I'm glad that you told the long story because 
the, it's just so interesting to hear about like the different routes that sort of got you to where you are now I mean you're working with homelessness which is people you know people would think like oh homeless people probably don't have this education around it and then obviously Jess was working in festivals and you would think oh maybe these people do but it's actually that neither of these groups knew and then it brought you to realize that neither of you had had the education around it you know the actual quality education about consent either so then suddenly this idea was born I thought I think it's an amazing idea like it's so clever I actually have my candle here I have the let's stay in bed candle not to not to promote or anything but definitely to promote <laughs> and the name is hilarious I was talking to my friends about it and they were like that is that is genius that is a work of genius like it's just oh no the whole the whole um cause is amazing um and just the way that you got to it is so so interesting I think it just shows people that actually you can't put someone in a box you can't be like this person got this education and this person didn't actually it's kind of a across the board lack of education um which is kind of stark but it's good that we're actually talking about it so going on from that why is consent itself and consent education so important yeah love this question and I had a think about this and I think to begin to answer this question I feel like we first need to take a moment to think what is consent so there is various definitions floating about there so the first one is as defined by the Oxford Dictionary so they say that it is permission for something to happen or agreement to do something but this does not take into consideration the fact consent is absolutely reversible. So you can agree to do something and then change your mind. So Oxford Dictionary, you ain't got it right. Um, the second one, which is my least favorite one, is actually by the NHS. So they have defined it using Section 74 of the Sexual Offences Act 2003 as someone consents to vaginal, anal or oral penetration only if she, he agrees by choice to that penetration and has the freedom and capacity to make that choice. So this definition right off the bat has excluded people from their use of gendered pronouns and pigeonholed section, sexual activity into penetration. It is no way helpful and is incredibly confusing. Um, so the next definition is from rapecrisis.org and they say that the legal definition of consent is that someone agrees to sexual activity by choice and also they have the freedom and capacity to make that choice, meaning they have not been forced, manipulated, threatened or pressured into sexual activity. So I like that this one uses sexual activity rather than penetration. However, it completely forgets the whole ongoing conversation that consent has. It is not one choice that you make and you can't reverse upon. And it is not just a choice one person makes. Consent is a two-way conversation. So the definition that we like to use in Candles for Consent is from an incredible sex educator who is based in America called Sarah. And you can find her on Instagram at, at Comprehensive Consent. She has loads of amazing resources. And she defines it as consent is the practice of creating and nurturing a mutually designed experience. We love this one because it shows that consent is so much more than just sexual. And it is also an ongoing mutual conversation between two people. Um, so from these examples, I'm sure you can begin to see why educating about it is so important. 
how can we practice something if we can't even define it? So a bit more into why this is important is I'm going to tell you about a statistic from the Girl Guiding Girls Attitude Survey from 2017. So they have found, this is UK-wide, that 64% of girls aged 13 to 21 had experienced sexual violence or sexual harassment at school or college in the past year. So this is the place where we're meant to have our kids feel safe. So there is an absolute dire need for it. As well as that, knowledge is power and we can empower our kids when we educate them. This includes education about consent. No, that wow like I'm just taking that all in I mean so much there even the fact that the three definitions thank you for giving all three because I think it just shows even the NHS I mean the lack of understanding and the lack of almost it's it's almost a lazy definition like it's not like they put care into it and just the whole thing about schools and I mean that's the place where we're meant to feel safe as well as we're meant to be educated on it so not only are girls you know being harassed at school they then don't even have anything to defend themselves or anything to to fight back or even any knowledge and it's just that is extremely just the words for it like it's just it's insane it's insane to hear it's wow just what I think you kind of answered this within that but what is happening at the moment that makes this topic so important to talk about? You sort of touched on it with the whole thing about, you know, girls um, in school, but are there any other things that are happening that, you know, makes this topic so important in today's society, especially? Yeah, so this has been something that's been an issue for so long and only in recent years has it actually sort of come to light in the media. So, you know, we do need to bear in mind everything we see in the media isn't always, you know, things can be happening even if they're not being reported um, on TV. Um, But even in the past year, we had the brutal murder of Sarah Sarah Everard, um, the young woman in London who was murdered by a Met police officer, someone that's meant to protect her, um, ended up being her killer. Or we had um, recently the murder of Gabby Petito, um, the young woman who was traveling in a van with her boyfriend who also murdered her. We're also in Spain at the minute in the Spanish parliament. There's a big debate about consent and it's saying only yes is yes. And they're trying to define what consent is um, because of a, a very horrible case that they had there. So I think when we look at, you know, the news at the minute, everywhere we're looking, you know, there's these horrific things that are happening um, where people think that they're entitled to harm other people when they're not and you know it was only a few years ago that we had the me too movement that was worldwide where all these people came forward and said look these are all the things that have happened and so many of them were saying I didn't even realize that this is what happened to me at the time you know I thought because because I'd done this it meant that they could do this to me so it's so topical and um, but it's something that's happened everywhere across the world and here in Northern Ireland you know it is something that needs done and actually there was a survey that was carried out last year of 4,500 students at 153 different universities in the UK and from the survey they said that 62% of all these students had experienced sexual violence and of this 31% were pressurized into something they didn't want to do but they did it anyway so I think it's really showing that not only is it happening but that people are being pressurized into it they don't know how to say no and also that people don't know how if other people are consenting or not and when we're looking at students you know we're talking about people that are 
18 to 21. This is people that are classified as adults who also still don't know. So it's super topical, something that is everywhere you look and something needs something done about it. Um, and also, you know, we, we are talking here about consent in a sexual matter. However, consent is so much more than that. You know, you consent with your medical information. You consent when you sign contracts. Um, a few years ago, when we had all the GDPR issues about your data, you know, you consent to people having your email address. It's something that is instilled in various aspects of life. So even though we're looking at it from a sexual, you know, perspective, it is something that is across the board that we see in various aspects of life. It's just, it's confusing to think that it's such a common thing. I mean, even in all of those aspects, not just sexual, and yet it's something that's hardly even talked about. It's hard, it's, you know, it's, there's nothing really done about it. And we have these global and national examples with Sarah Everard and you know, we've seen this on the news. Everyone knows about that situation. And I'm sure it did something to bring to light to the situation. And yet it hasn't, like we haven't seen much come of it yet. And that's frustrating. And I'm sure it's frustrating for, for you guys who are, you know, actively trying to do work and even these global examples, you know, don't be pushing the situation forward. So I'm really glad that we're having this conversation to bring to light just this horrible situation. Um, this question that I'm going to ask sort of goes back to what we were talking about, sort of with schools and um, colleges. But whose responsibility do you think it is to educate young people on this consent? Yeah, so I think in very short to that answer, it's everyone. But the more kind of where Candles for Consent and our mission is coming from, is first of all, we're focusing on getting comprehensive consent education into schools. And um, this does not mean that we won't educate, like we're still doing youth groups, like church groups, whoever wants the education can get it from us, but we are actively like, you know, speaking to schools, trying to get them on board. Um, and we think they can play an absolute integral part in this. Um, however, we hope in the future that consent education is in primary schools, nurseries, workplaces, universities across the board. But with that in mind, schools cannot and should not be solely responsible for teaching young people about consent. Parents, carers and wider communities can all play a vital role in the process. Schools can play an integral role in shifting the way young people understand and practice consent through a thoughtful and formal approach to sex education. But it is me, you, them, everyone listening, the aunties, friends, brothers, all have a vital role to play in modeling positive behaviors and sharing our knowledge and leading by example. This is a huge societal issue. However, never underestimate the power one person has who is committed to paving a new, better way. Wow. And just, I, I think like schools have so much influence. So what you're doing, you know, getting this comprehensive ed, this education, into schools is brilliant because schools have a large amount of influence. I mean, for some young people, you know, school is their safe place. It's that, you know, um, young people are there for most of the day, um, you know, the morning and the afternoon. And it's a place where they can find, so not to say solace, but they can find, you know, solace and um, safety there. So then having this education, you know, they're gonna trust this information coming from schools. So I 100% agree and support um, coming into schools 
Um, do you think that parents are actually avoiding telling their children and putting responsibility on schools because they're embarrassed? Because obviously this topic is taboo. Um, it shouldn't be, but it is. And parents might be embarrassed to talk about it because maybe it's been sort of a domino effect of their parents didn't talk about it and then their parents' parents didn't talk about it. So, you know, it's just a line of embarrassment. Do you think that this is a thing? So I think one thing we'll definitely say is there are so many amazing parents out there that are teaching their kids about consent from, you know, as soon as they're old enough to hold their head up, they're teaching them, you know, do you want this or do you want this? And, you know, we have to really look at that and praise the parents that are doing that and saying, look, well done. And, you know, even on the likes of social media, TikTok, you know, I follow so many moms out there that teach, you know, consent for little kids. And, you know, I learn so much. I don't have any little kids, but I'm like, that is great. That's so nice to see and really gentle ways of sort of beginning this practice with kids. So I definitely think there's so many amazing parents that are out there doing that. However, I think when we look at reasons why parents aren't teaching their kids about this, you know, there can be multiple reasons why maybe they're embarrassed. However, I think it would also be fair to say, like you said, the domino effect, you know, where we were only in school a few years back and we didn't get this education. So we know that people that are older than us, they didn't get it either. So I think for a lot of parents, they might not even know where to even begin because they haven't got an, um, the understanding or education themselves of how to talk to their kids about it. So I think when we think of it that way, you know, there's many reasons why. Um, however, bearing that in mind, you know, you send your kids to school for an education, for life skills and to be able to, you know, function as an adult is a core part of what school is for. So schools definitely do have, you know, a responsibility to give out this education and especially when we look at economic backgrounds where not all families you know have the same ability to teach their kids but schools when it's compulsory and mandatory in all schools then you can ensure that all children are getting equal education which is what we're aiming for.